Hello everyone and welcome to the Movie Change Up Disney Plus Weekly Review where every week me, Joseph Fricky, and my co-host Tristan Mayer over there uh, kind of break down what was released on Disney Plus this week. Our kind of main target audience, our goal, the people we're trying to reach is uh, people who have Disney Plus for their kids, for their family, or maybe you got Disney Plus because you wanted to watch a Marvel show but there's no Marvel shows on right now. Or maybe you got it to watch Mandalorian but there's no Star Wars. I guess there is Bad Batch but maybe you're just not into Bad Batch and you're like I have Disney Plus. I don't know what to watch. What should I be watching? That's kind of what this show is for. We we tell you what you should what you should watch and what you can kind of just skip. Uh, we got some fun topics to talk about today but Tristan what were your thoughts on Disney Plus this week? Pretty good week, honestly. I thought last week we had a bit of an off week. We weren't quite sure what to even cover on the episode, but I found a, a slightly hidden gem, at least for me, that I really enjoyed a lot. I'm excited to talk about it. And Bad Batch, the flagship show of Disney Plus for at least the next two weeks, uh, really delivered on that too. So I had a good week on Disney Plus this week. Yeah, I agree. I looked at their upcoming releases on Disney Plus and outside of Marvel's What If that we will talk about later. Seems like there's really not a whole lot going to be dropping on Disney Plus, so I don't know how long these episodes are going to be because even like the smaller stuff that it was just like basically all the things they were announcing they were dropping are just like old shows and old movies that they're adding to Disney Plus. Like, oh, we're putting on Beverly Chihuahua's or Beverly Hills Chihuahua <laughs> 2. I'm like, we're not going to review that because you know what that yeah, is. You can watch a trailer and you know what you're getting with that. I've seen that one too many times, Joe. I don't need to watch it more than once, you know? <laughs> I I've have seen zero of the Beverly Hills Chihuahua movies, and I think it's going to remain that way. Uh, but without further ado, are you ready to, you know, kick off our first review of The Bad Batch episode? I'm very ready. Uh, episode, I'm not exactly sure what it's titled, because the, the Disney Plus, like, the episode titles on Disney Plus, it called it fin the FNAF season one finale part one or something like that but then the actual episode was called return to camino so i'm just gonna say it's return to camino that makes sense say to return to camino that yeah. was kind of the flagship like the the whole premise of the episode so i think that fits i'm scrolling through disney plus right now to get to it and it does say return to camino okay so i'm gonna assume that's the name of it episode before, 15 of season one before it was called like finale part one so which doesn't really make sense because I would argue that this would be part two and last week's episode was part one, but that's just me. Yeah, it's really, I like that we're essentially going to get like a three-peat here. We're going to get a story that's like a, an arc, you know, and throw back to Clone Wars, I guess. We got a couple of arcs in Bad Batch, but not a ton, so it's cool to get like a three-episode arc to end the season here. Yeah, it's, you know, I really like it. It's a really kind of an interesting episode. I, we, we, I felt like a lot of shades of previous Star Wars, definitely uh, a lot of shades of the, like, Vader moment of, like, join me and together we can rule the galaxy mm -hmm. of uh, Crosshair talking with Hunter of, like, hey, we could, we could, like, work together again. Yeah, a lot of Star Wars. The music, of course, was very Star Wars. It all felt like a climactic moment. And, of course, we're going to talk about the, the fate of Kamino at the end of the episode, yeah. but I think that... This feels like a monumental kind of moment for Star Wars this episode, and I think it, it, it helps that the music and everything comes together and it all feels like Star Wars the entire way through. But yeah, I had a good time. It was fun action. I liked the team dynamic. I liked seeing Omega kind of like taking a lead rather than just being like the one around or the one causing the problems or the one to be saved. She, what, Especially with Hunter gone, she's kind of like defaulted to being the leader of the group essentially, so I'm curious to see what her role is going to be as she matures and gets older. 
I thought the action was really good, some good crosshair twists, but yeah, I had a good time with the finale, uh, the part one of the finale. <laughs> I yeah. can't wait for uh, the rest part, of it. I'm still saying part two, but uh, yeah, it kind of feels like she's more like the moral compass of the group of they're all like, oh, these are the orders, and she's like, yeah, but that's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like that. Um, there, Yeah, there was definitely... One of the things I've noticed is the creators of Star Wars, like the people that have been there a while that are working on the animated shows, you could definitely uh, tell that Last Jedi is their favorite of the sequel trilogy because that's the mom- that's the movie I see that they like borrow like visual influences the most. Like there's a, I think in the opening, like the season seven episode one, there's a moment of Luke th- or not Luke Anakin facing off against. Uh, some separatists and the shot is identical to Luke facing off against the First Order in The Last Jedi and there's another moment that I feel like they just drew over in, uh, <laughs> in from The Last Jedi and that's one of the final moments with Admiral Rampart looking down on Kamino looked like an identical shot to Kylo Ren looking down on Luke as he fi- as he ordered his troops to fire on Luke. Yeah, and I noticed in that scene, too, the Tarkin cameo of the episode, and he has a line that I would swear was ripped out of New Hope. Like, I wouldn't be surprised oh, if they literally, like, pulled the line from the audio files yeah. of New Hope and, and, and just play it in the episode. Yeah. You may fire when ready, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that, and I'm like, that's, I mean, I heard it there, and it sounds exactly the same as in Rogue One, so I don't know if it's the <laughs> same audio file in all three things, but... We got them to do one take, and we're using it for decades, you know? Yeah. 35 years later we're using the same take of of the one line. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how like looking like looking at it now with like the cloning and stuff, how much I wonder this movie is going to affect people's viewing of the sequel trilogy and especially Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think the cloning storyline is clearly something that Filoni's interested in cuz he's been teasing it out in multiple shows at this point and yeah. you got a, a good amount of it in Mandalorian and it's been a pretty prominent at least in a few episodes here in Bad Batch, more than I thought it would ever be. Yeah. So I definitely think that's something he's leaning towards. I don't think he would just throw out these breadcrumbs to just let somebody else tell it, you know? Yeah. I think he's going to eventually want to answer that question, whether it's in a Bad Batch season or whether it's in Mandalorian or whether he's able to magically kind of bridge all of these shows together since he's kind of a creative head, whether yeah. they call him that or not at Disney+. Plus. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited like a... to see where they're going to go with that plot because they're obviously doing something with it at this point. Yeah, his title at Lucasfilm is like Executive Vice President of Creative or something like that. He's definitely very high up in the creative process. And like they say the best writing is like don't give the people four, give them like two plus two and let them figure it out on their own. So I think it'd be kind of interesting if he gave us like a two in Bad Batch. He gave us a two in Mandalorian. He gave us a two in Ahsoka. He gave us a two in Book of Boba Fett. And then we were like fans who've watched all of them could look it together and be like, oh, it's eight and then... Like, it kind of makes sense, and we can kind of piece together uh, more of the cloning aspects of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I like to look at the mysteries in Star Wars the same way I look at, like, George R. R. Martin's way of revealing mysteries Mm -hmm. in Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones, (laughs) at least Mm -hmm. until the final season, because he had this philosophy of, like, this three-stage reveal. Like, I'm going to sprinkle little tiny things in at the first stage, so, like, if you're really, really paying attention, you're, like, desperately following the lore, you can pick it up and have that, and, like, you know ahead of time what's going to happen. And then stage two, you get like a little more on that. So if you're following, you're paying attention, but you're not super into the lore, you're going to start picking up and saying, hey, maybe something's up with this storyline here. Something's not quite right. And then, of course, the third stage reveal is when he just 
opens up the salt shaker and pours the thing right on there because mm -hmm. you just get like the whole reveal out. And if you've been paying attention, it, it's obvious, but if you're not, you're thrown for the loop. So yeah. I think he's going for a similar thing here. A little bit of sprinkle in Mandalorian, a little bit of sprinkle in Bad Batch, maybe some in Book of Boba Fett, maybe some in, in Ahsoka and slowly but surely get into that answer. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking the slow build. I w I'm glad they didn't just be like, here's an episode of Bad Batch where we explain everything. <laughs> you know, it's nice to get that slow build, slow build mystery. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was the kind of dynamic between Crosshair and Hunter and their whole back-and-forth exchange and kind of, like, any predictions you can get from that. Like, and it's one thing I did want to touch on real quick before we get to that is you can definitely tell that the Empire does not care about Crosshair because there's a moment where Admiral Rampart, when the only people left on Kamino are... The Bad Batch crew plus Crosshair. Admiral Rampart tells um, Tarkin, like, we all essential personnel have left Kamino. Yeah, there's a similar scene, too, where he's talking to one of his clone troopers, and he's saying, like, I don't trust this Crosshair guy, I don't trust his clone friends, and he says, mm -hmm. well, if his plan's wrong, we'll all be dead, so who cares, you know? Yeah. And I think you get the sense that the Empire is using Crosshair, and Crosshair has this misplaced loyalty that adds to the tragedy of the mm -hmm. ending of the episode. Where you can tell yeah. that Crosshair believes in the Empire, but the Empire does not believe yeah. in Crosshair. Yeah. Yeah, but with uh, Crosshair's whole thing of basically, um, he tells Hunter, or Hunter's like, oh, if you come with us, we can take your chip out and everything, and you'll see like you're in the wrong, essentially. Crosshair's like, oh, my chip was taken out like long ago, and Hunter was like, when? And Crosshair's like, it doesn't matter. And so, one of the things I want to ask you, do you think... Uh, his chip was actually taken out do you think if it wasn't do you think he's lying or do you think the empire was lying to him i think it was definitely taken out because you can see the scar kind of on the back of his yeah. head i think hunter makes a point to like check his head after he knocks yeah. him out with the stun yeah. and he has like a surgery type scar well, course, uh, got I know. in the previous episodes yeah but... yeah he has a scar from like when they torched him with that rocket and i wonder if that like is when it was kind of taken out because it was basically destroyed yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like we had that arc, arc in the, earlier in the season when Crosshair was like on the verge of death, and he was saved by the Empire essentially. So I'm wondering if that was the point where his ship was moved, or if he didn't have one at all. Like I know he said the "good soldiers follow orders" line at the, in the premiere, but that could have just been a red herring essentially. Like he could have just yeah. not had the ship from the start. Yeah, and uh, one. So we're getting a lot of Vader out of uh, out of uh, Crosshair. Do you think that's kind of a foretelling of what his arc is going to be? Is he's gonna and it's going to be kind of a general like one to one thing? If basically he's going to sacrifice himself and die for the Bad Batch, or do you think it's going to be kind of a bait and switch where you think that's their direction it's going, and he actually stays evil the whole time, or do you think it's going to be uh, like he? We kind of see like what happens when you do come back from the dark side and have to live with that. I think the fact that the Bad Batch rescued him this week and like brought them with them is going to, assuming that they get off the, I don't even know what the resolution is it, of this is going to be, because clearly they're stuck in a pretty precarious situation. But I think if they're going to be together going forward into season two, then I think there's going to be a redemption arc. But I, w I don't imagine Crosshair making it out of the next episode. I think the most likely arc is this, the Vader thing. I think Star Wars loves their parallels. You know, it's like poetry, it rhymes. So... You have the Anakin arc, you have the Crosshair arc, and it all kind of feels thematically connected to each other. And Crosshair, a lot of those lines you've mentioned, the Anakin parallels and to to when he kind of proposed to Luke to join the dark side. But I also thought there were some 
Revenge of the Sith parallels, he has this line of like, don't make me your enemy. And then Hunter says, Crosshair, we never were your enemy. And I think that definitely calls back to mm-hmm. Anakin's cheesier line from Revenge of the mm-hmm. Sith when he says, look, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. And he has that very black mm-hmm. and white look. And Obi-Wan's there to say, like, I'm your brother, Anakin, I'm not your enemy. And you have those two uh, warring uh, brotherly war bonds, you know, like two yeah. brothers in arms who are coming face-to-face with these conflicts of loyalty. So I think there's definitely an intentional parallel there, and I think they're going to follow through on it. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of uh, what I think. I, I just don't see... I think if Crosshair does stay good and he's in Season 2 as like a, like a kind of a redemption arc in Season 2, I think another member of the Bad Batch has to die, because I think at that point it's just too many, too many characters to follow as like one group of people. Uh, yeah, I think that's a big cast. Like when you look, I had to open it for a sec. My background here on my computer <laughs> is in the background the Bad Batch promo art, and they all, all of these promo arts like contain Crosshair in the background. He's just kind of like separated yeah. from the team. So I think they're definitely trying to, like Crosshair said this episode, like he's part of the Bad Batch too, and he felt abandoned by yeah. them. So yeah. they made it a point to make it called the Bad Batch, and they're all part of the Bad Batch. So yeah. I would like to see him have some sort of redemption and be part of that team when he dies yeah i could definitely see that of like the final uh do you think the final episode is going to be longer i mean I think not it'll super be a bit long. longer i'm not expecting it to be like a two hours or something but i could see it being like a 45 or something yeah and i could see kind of like halfway through maybe when he maybe even the beginning of this episode because the part of why he turned on the bad batch is he felt abandoned by them and now he's clearly going to feel abandoned by the empire and so i could see him immediately being kind of like oh i've made the wrong choice and like flip over and no better writing than him just immediately being like oh i i screwed up i'm back with you guys mm-hmm. now i could see it being like a slow thing over like the course of the first 10 minutes of the episode and then the last he's like with them and then sacrifices himself uh but one of the things i think to me as far as predicting how they get out of this i think it's partially when you have to go back to the and remembering that this is a kid show and with the, like, knowing now that there's tunnels underneath that Omega says stretches all across the planet, I'm pretty sure that's how they're going to get out. So Omega's going to be like, oh, there's a tunnel right here. Just, we're just going to go in there. <laughs> and then everyone's going to be like, okay. And then that's how they get out. Yeah, that's probably the direction. You you made a good point. Usually, especially in a kid's show, there's an easy answer. is probably the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the fact that tunnels got mentioned a few times and even used is what they're going to do. And I would love it if the tunnels led them to some kind of reveal. Like, I would, since it's the finale, it would be a nice place to drop another big yeah. breadcrumb of whatever. You know, whether yeah. it's Snoke, whether it's anything else. I yeah. think the secret labs of Camino could be a place to do it. But, I yeah, I think that's definitely the route they're going to go. Omega will break yeah. them out and take them out through those tunnels. Even Maybe Crosshair will be, will be, will be, will be guiding them to yeah. some kind of escape route, too. I could see that being what, his way of turning. Like, he'll help them escape Camino and then die on the planet himself, something like that. Yeah, I can see that. And one thing, too, is because we haven't brought up yet, they did announce that we're getting a season two in 2022 uh, before this episode dropped. And I saw some takes online of people that I'm just like, I don't know what show you think you're watching. But I saw someone online being like, oh, well, now I know they're definitely not going to have a Rogue One style ending where they all die one by one. I'm like, number one, that would make no sense for this show because... Either A, you're just going to leave Omega all out on her own as like a little kid being like, well, good luck, have fun, and no idea what happens to her. Or B, a kid is going to die on a little kid's show. Two, also, <laughs> this is a kid's show. They're not going to just have, oh, you know all these heroes you've been following? Yep, they're all fucking dead now. 
So and we still could get that ending, just not in season one. You know, yeah, like if exactly. that's the way they want to go for Bad Batch, we can get that season four or whatever they do. And honestly, if if the Bad Batch were a big part of the Clone Wars and they were like in multiple arcs and were like kind of like Anakin's right hand team, I could understand that being the point of this show. But if they were just to die at the end of the next episode, I would be like, why did I watch this? There was zero point, really, to... We saw a little bit of how the Empire switched from clones to regular troopers, but ultimately, like, what was the point of this show? That's why I could already tell that we're most likely getting a season two. Not that I didn't enjoy season one, not that I don't really like the show, but ultimately, if that's how this season ended, was they're all dead, I'd be like, there was zero point to ever making this show. Yeah, and I think Crosshair mentioned even in the episode, he said, like, you were meant for more than just wandering the galaxy, and I think he he means that as you have to join the Empire, but I think we'll see them taking that as you have to join the Rebellion. And yeah. I would imagine Season 2 is they're no longer doing odd jobs for Sid, they're doing odd jobs for, you know, whoever Rebellion stand in the use. If they're going to do Mon Mothma, are they going to use... <laughs> I want someone like we haven't really seen a whole lot. Of. If they do that, I don't want it to be like, oh, we're working for Mon Mothma, or oh, we're working for Bail Organa. I kind of want it to be like, oh, we're working for like Jan Dodonna, or like another one of the more like random background ones. Or like a, maybe a guy we've never seen before, because maybe he dies before A New Hope. And so we've just never seen him. I would love to see them work for Saw Gerrera, and they become like the... Oh, them working... We know that we see Saw Gerrera become, like, the darker side of the Rebellion, essentially, mm-hmm. by the time Rebels comes along. So it would be cool to see the Bad Batch that join that side. So by the time we get to Rebels, we're like, oh, we have the Bad Batch on the on the Saw Gerrera side, unknowing to us, and on the Rebel side, we have the Rebel crew. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see Saw Gerrera come... Because he's been on the show already, so it would be a mm-hmm. nice setup for him to come back. And they're, since mm-hmm. they're the Bad Batch, they can go a little bit darker than maybe the Rebels crew did and be like, oh, we're doing kind of the outlaw stuff. Yeah, I could see that. That'd be fun if they were working for... Like, I know I said I don't want them to work for a main one, but even a Saw Gerrera type. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be Saw Gerrera. Yeah, yeah, that's how I'm feeling. Somebody a little edgier than... Hondo. They're working for Hondo. <laughs> we still haven't got Hondo. Hondo. You're, not a, you're not a true Star Wars animated show until Hondo appears, so... We'll get Hondo. If we can't get Hondo... No, we had to get Season 2 because we haven't gotten Hondo. Exactly. You know, so we gotta drag it out until Hondo comes. Alright. Anything else you gotta say about this episode, Return to Kamino? I was shocked to see Camino destroyed. Oh, I yeah, mean, that's I forgot the last about that. shot like, of the yeah. episode. <laughs> but yeah. we will get the resolution of that. But, I mean, Camino was a huge part of Star Wars yeah. lore. It was all the way back to Attack of the Clones, and it's been prominent throughout Star Wars since then. People who hate the prequels still kind of were like, oh, that fight in Camino was pretty cool. And yeah. uh, you talk about Battlefront and Battlefront yeah, 2. Like, those, the Camino maps were huge parts of that, too. And when I was watching it destroyed, I was thinking, like, man, I ran on that little pledge right there. It's like a. The clone trooper Battlefront 2, and now it's destroyed. Yeah, I was going to say, the Camino maps were very beloved in Battlefront. I always hated them because everything looked the same and I always got lost. But, uh, yeah, like, it's kind of definitely the mark of the, like, true mark at the end of the Clone Wars era with Camino destroyed because clones are, clones are no more. Yeah, and of course it gives you an explanation in the world of, like, how, how was this never discovered? Like, why didn't Palpatine just go back to this or whatever? You... It's another little... A lore explanation for stuff like this is a moment in star wars history you know camino is gone now yeah one thing i wanted to bring up too i forgot about was they were talking about um that the clones are like shipped off and were sent somewhere do you think that's a storyline that's going to come back do you think it's something where it's like they're gonna lead a 
maybe a bunch of clones in like a last stand situation like they're gonna find where all the clones were taken to and that's gonna be like a, the last stand of the clones or do you think uh, we're gonna find out yeah that's not exactly true they just kind of killed them all I think they're they're gonna bring him back some way. You wouldn't mention that if you weren't gonna bring him back. I think uh, if you're gonna kill them all, you would have just had him be on Camino and killed them all. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I can so see I that. So I think they'll, they'll come back in some way, whether it's a clone rebellion, because we were theorizing like, oh, it's gonna be a clone rebellion on Camino, and the Empire's gonna destroy Camino, and that's gonna be like the series finale. <laughs> yeah. And now Camino's gone in the season one finale, and it wasn't a rebellion, so it's a nice loop on that yeah. too. But yeah, I definitely think they'll come back, whether it's a rebellion or maybe the clones will become instrumental in taking down the empire or founding the rebellion or something like that i can see that there's not there's something left for the clones the clones are too big of a part of star wars to have all been wiped out off screen yeah yeah i'm just trying to think like where are the clones go? like is there something if like rogue one wasn't made i could be like okay like what if the rebel spies were actually clones or something right i'm just trying to think like what's something that the clones could do as like a last like fight against the empire to like lead to the thing that eventually leads to luke blowing up the death star all i could think is they become they're like maybe they're working as laborers or something and they have like a laborer rebellion mm -hmm. or maybe because my initial theory was oh maybe the empire the emperor took these guys and he, they're on school and he's using them to experiment oh. on cloning technology with the clones yeah. <laughs> but who knows with that i'm just theorizing off of practically nothing at this yeah. point but that's the fun of the show where it's like they could go any direction. I never thought Kamino would be blown up in the season one finale, not in a rebellion, just destroyed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. All right, you ready to move on to Turner and Hooch? I'll try my best. All right, so I want to say last week I reviewed, uh, I believe the episode was a good day to bark hard, but that could be wrong. I don't know. I had a glowing review of it because it was kind of a take on one of my favorite movies of all time, Die Hard. And I praised it enough that it got you to watch it. And so I want your quick thoughts on episode two of Turner and Hooch. Yeah, going into last week, I had absolutely no intention of ever watching Turner and Hooch again in my life. And then you came on and said it was this really fun Die Hard tribute episode and that it has all these cool references. And I said, oh, I'll, you know what? I'll give Turner and Hooch one more episode. And you know what? They got one more out of me. And that's pretty much all they're probably going to get. Unless you come in and you tell me there's another killer episode. Because I had a good time with this one. Uh, it was filled with a lot of fun references. And all scenes are out of the movie and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's it's what you described. And I had a really good time with it. And as an also a big fan of Die Hard, it was fun to see that come to life. And it was also a weird, like, I haven't watched network TV in, in how many years with streaming. So I, I haven't seen a lot of these, like, cheesy tribute episodes where it's like oh here's a christmas special for the season and this feels like a interesting kind of throwback to like network tv where it's like oh we're gonna do the Die Hard episode and it's just gonna be a bunch of like diehard references for the whole episode <laughs> yeah so i think it was it was fun i had a good time with it but did not exactly pull me back into turn huge as a, as a fan of the whole show or anything like that yeah i didn't think it would uh i just thought like you might get a kick out honestly i was expecting you to come in here and be like joe you're a crazy person that episode sucked I mean, it was a lot of fun. It, it sucked in the same way that all those network specials suck. Like, you're not getting a good episode, but you're getting a diehard tribute with Josh Peck. Yeah. So what else can you really want? Yeah, and you're my age, too, so you grew up with <laughs> all that and The Amanda Show and Drake and Josh and all those shows. We Like, we watched Josh Peck grow up. If you Like, growing up when I was, like, 10, 11 years old, if you showed me a picture of the poster of turner and hooch and blurt out josh peck's name and ask me who that was there is no way i would have been able to tell you that that was josh peck 
Yeah, you call me during the Amanda show and you say, hey, that guy right there, he's going to be like a cop character and he's going to be like fit and hot while he's doing it. And yeah. I would be like, that's impossible. Exactly. Um, I mean, it makes me want to watch the show just to like support Josh Peck's life transformation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, good job, man. You look like, good. And the thing is, he's been skinny for like 10 years. He just hasn't really been doing a whole lot because so, he like started to get skinny towards the tail end of Drake and Josh. And uh, which was like way too long ago that i don't want to think about because i'm just gonna feel old <laughs> yeah that'll but, be a crisis yeah but back to uh this week's episode this week's episode do you know the title of it do not know the title of the episode was diamonds are forever is it a james bond tribute episode thought it would be i'll be honest though because the 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 diehard tribute was like pretty subtle like if you didn't watch Die Hard and don't know anything about Die Hard. I think they were subtle enough that you wouldn't realize the references are references to anything. And so I'm not a big James Bond guy. I haven't seen the Diamonds Are Forever movie. So there could have been, but they weren't overt enough to me to ever be like, oh, that was a James Bond reference. There were small things, like his nephew was working on a science project and it was a volcano, and I don't know if maybe the villain had a volcano lair base in Diamonds Are Forever. Um, But yeah, so basically the plot of the episode was there's this woman, and she's a jewel thief, and they're trying to track her. And they can't find her. And they, like, uh, Scott Turner, played by Josh Peck, is trying to use Hooch to, like, smell and track her. But Hooch doesn't want to, like, listen. And it's a whole thing. And then you find out, oh, Hooch could listen, but she's using a double. So, spoiler alert. So that's why he couldn't use her scent, because it was a different person. Um, Episode was solid. Equal quality of the first two. I think, like I've said before, if you are a fan of, like, NCIS and CSI, but think those shows are slightly too dark for maybe the children in your lives, but you want to watch that kind of show, I feel like Turner and Hooch has that nice nice balance that you can. That's what I got. At least for the first two episodes, I think that's a good fit. I have uh, a few family members who are super, super into cop shows, and I think this is one that they'd be, they'd have a good time with. It doesn't have, like, the darkness, like you mentioned. Sometimes stuff like uh svu of course can get very dark and that can be a little draining to watch so if you just want like a fun heartfelt cop show it's certainly not bad yeah. but it's just not necessarily what i would watch but yeah that's, that's what i got a heartfelt cop yeah. show yeah, for it's once a, it's not about how terrible everything is yeah it's a good family show there's the whole dynamic with the canine trainer of like she's into him but he's josh peck's character scott turner is super oblivious and then you have there's kind of like a case of the week but there's this overarching overarching thing that their dad was like working on this big massive case before he died and their uh josh peck's character and his sister are, like slowly trying to p- piece it together and figure it out but i was looking up trying to remember what next week's episode was titled because i saw like a preview i didn't see the preview but i saw that there was one and i saw the title i want to just run by you the next three episodes because as a fan of puns they are all amazing given to me we have so the first one was just Forever and a Dog, which I don't know if that was a pun on anything. Probably was. Uh, we have a Oh, it was a good day to dog hard. I was saying it was a good day to bark hard. A good day to dog hard. And then obviously this one was Diamonds Are Forever. The next one, In the Line of Fur. <laughs> then we have Road to Smell Dorado. 
<laughs> so good. And then episode six is The Fergative. So a lot of fur puns going on. A lot of fur, you know? We got to get to the barks. You got to get to the pets. You have a lot of dog words you can use. You know, you got a, you got a few seasons out of this, so you can squeeze yeah. them out. Yeah. There, apparently there's 12 episodes this season. But yeah, like I said, that was kind of kind of where the show lives. It's a nice family cop show that I think anyone, a kid of any age can really watch this. But I think, I think a five-year-old outside of, oh, it's a dog is going to probably be bored of this show. Because I think it's like going to be a little over their head, but... It might be one that I watch as we get into these desperate months of Disney Plus coming up, but uh, yeah, as it, I'm glad you're liking it, Joe. Not I'm not saying I'm liking it, but I watched it while I drove home from my friend's house today. It was on my phone, and I just... So that's also why I might have missed any James Bond, because I was like half paying attention to it, which is a perfect show for that. You can kind of half pay attention to. If you want something like that, too, I've been keeping up with Mysterious Benedict Society. I don't have much to say on it right now, but I'm going to probably finish out the season and then give some season thoughts on it when I get to the end. Yeah, that's the only reason I really gave Turner and Hooch an episode review is because there's really not a lot to talk about right now. I think when Marvel's... Well, the thing is, when Marvel's What If starts, Bad Batch will kind of be over. So we might still be sticking with Turner and Hooch unless something else pops up. But, uh, yeah, without... I don't really have anything else to say about that. I've got... Oh yeah, no, that's all I got to say about Turner and Hooch. <laughs> One oh, yeah. day I'll get back to it, Joe, when I'm desperate, but not now. Yeah, yeah, not a show I'm telling people to run out and watch, but it has its moments. Ready to move on to Short Circuit, the uh, Disney kind of animation studio project. Not, I am. I not the movie about the robot. <laughs> no, that's not the one we're talking about, but yeah, I'm ready to talk about Short Circuit, the, the anthology series on Disney+. Plus. All right, I will say I watched the first episode called Puddles, but I will let you take over the conversation because you saw more of it than I did. Yeah, if you're not aware, Short Circuit is a Disney Plus uh, series. It's all a bunch of shorts made by Disney animators. So the premise is, is like if you're working at Disney, you're working in the animation, and you have this idea for a short film, you could pitch it to the Disney team, and then they'll give you the chance to direct this two, three-minute animated short uh, to go on Disney Plus. So the format of it is you get like this one two-minute interview at the start where they have the animator come on and talk about their idea, talk about their goals, talk about the style they use, that kind of thing, and then they'll show you the short. It's, you know, two or three minute, maybe four minute short. And so it's a quick binge episode. The episodes are like, you know, five to seven minutes, maybe shorter, some of them. And it's an easy binge. I watched all the episodes on there. And I, at the end, I'll give you a couple recommendations that I thought were the better of the episodes. But... Yeah, they're all really unique animation style, which is something that I liked a lot about it. They're not all in the typical Disney or typical Pixar animation style. Some of them are very abstract and very different. Uh, one that I noticed was there's one that's about street art, where the whole all the animation is done in sort of like this graffiti style. There's one that's about a samurai, so all the and then all of the animation is done in this sort of like Japanese brushstroke kind of look to it. That I really liked. So if you like animation, I definitely recommend watching this because you're going to get a wide variety, whether it's colorful, silent films, whether it's really dialogue heavy, whether it's you know a heartfelt movie about a girl going on a bus and smiling at someone during the day, or whether it's a movie about a raindrop falling from the sky and you follow his moments of life from beginning to end in like these couple seconds that the raindrop gets to be alive. You know, so it's a, a really strong variety. I had a good, great time with it. Honestly, it's one of the best things I've watched on Disney Plus in a while. It's an easy binge too. You can watch it all in like an hour. <laughs> so I just sat and binged the whole all one and a half seasons because season two is currently airing, I think, week to week on Disney Plus right now. 
But yeah, I'll mention a few that I thought were good. I took down uh, five here that I thought were worth noting out of like 15 or so that are on there right now. The first is episode, uh, season one, episode nine. It's called Downtown. The one I mentioned earlier is kind of like a street art look to it. So you follow this sort of nondescript. The world that you're in is sort of dark and shadowy, but then he walks and sees this really uh, gorgeous street art. The street art kind of like comes to life and sucks him into it. And he comes into this like colorful graffiti world. And the director mentioned how she moved to L.A. and she was really stressed and worrying about her finances and her career. And when she'd walk out of her apartment, she'd see these big graffiti murals on the on the walls. And that would be kind of like what would inspire her to get up and go to work every day. And she tried to capture that feeling in this uh, episode downtown. Her name was Kendra Vandervelt. I think some of these directors might be ones you'd see in some future Disney movies. Like if they're Pixar especially does a good job at like taking no. – people who made like one short and being like here's a feature <laughs> so these might be names you hear later another one is uh, Jinghua I think is how you pronounce it season 1 episode 10 I mentioned that one as well it's about a kung fu master who's sort of grieving well she it's a trainer who's grieving the death of her master and the whole and she's doing like a an acrobatic kind of training and through that expressing her emotions of her grief and all of the animation is done in a brushstroke kind of style so if you like that style I think you like that a lot. And if you also like you know, Japanese samurai movies, you like that a lot too. I also liked Going Home, season two, episode two. You follow, the, the director mentioned how he moved from his a different country to the United States to work here in animation. So every time he goes home, it's a rarity, and he's kind of shocked to see how much the city's changed, people have changed around him, and it's like this reminder of how he's aging and time is passing him by. So you get this guy returning to his hometown walking from the train station to his house to greet his parents. Simple as that, but with each cut, it ages a little bit. So, like, you'll get him arriving in the fall, kind of young, looking all happy, and then it'll, uh, the next shot will be winter, and he'll be a little bit older, and something will change. Maybe a building is gone that was there before, or something like that. And you, you, It gradually gets more and more emotional. Of course, he's getting to his parents' house, and with each, with each cut, his parents are aging. So you're seeing his parents go from these young people that he, he looks up to as, like, these un... un defeatable people and then slowly but surely of course become old and frail and I think that's a really strong emotional journey so I definitely recommend going home and the last one I have on here is not a heartbreaker it's actually just a really fun goofy one called Dinosaur Barbarian it's <laughs> uh, I don't know how you describe it like it's sort of 2D it's all hand drawn so if you like 2D animation style of Disney you'd like this and it's kind of a throwback to like adventure serial kind of looks and the premise is that it's an opening, uh, an opening titles for an animated cartoon called uh, Dinosaur Barbarian, and it's about a barbarian who was living in dinosaur times, and then like discovers the, discovers he can take a shower, and he discovers he can eat good food, and discovers like he has this like instead of become he has this arc through thrust through the opening credits of going from a barbarian to like this civilized man. <laughs> so I think it's a good fun animation style, and if you like. 2D animation, or you like you have throwbacks to like those 80s cartoons. It gave me like Master of the Universe kind of vibes. So if you have fun with that, the good version of Master of the Universe, not the new one, I think you'd like uh, Dinosaur Barbarian. But yeah, those are just some that I liked. And like I said, they're so different that there's probably plenty you would like and watch that I didn't necessarily yeah. connect to. So I'd like to, you know, if you guys watch it, let me know what you thought because I I had a great time with all these really. Yeah, like I said, I I watched the first one, Puddles, because I didn't have a whole lot of time, and then you had texted me you were watching it. So 
I decided to at least check out one episode, so I kind of had an idea. I really like that. I kind of like the idea, too, instead of just like, oh, here's all the shorts. They have the director kind of talk in the beginning for a minute, just like what their inspiration was for it. I, I like that aspect of it. I thought that was good. Oh, I watched the... Uh, I, I did watch two. I watched the first one, and then I watched the second one. And the second one was a really cool concept. It was kind of about a new kid in class, and it was essentially this uh, little, like, human girl uh, going to, like, an alien school. And so it was kind of like the idea of being the first kid in class, but, like, that next level of, like, you're going to a school on literally a foreign planet, which to, like, I guess a young kid going to a different school, that's kind of what that could feel like. So I like that one as well. Puddles was just, like, all these two kids going into, like, this weird alternate dimension through Puddles. Yeah, Puddles was not my favorite of this of all of them. Yeah, <laughs> probably the weakest I would say of the of the series. But good animation. All of these mm. have really strong animation. Yeah, Puddles was one where I feel like the story was just starting and then it ended. Mm-hmm. Like I would have liked them to like take five seconds with the puddles and then go to in the new world and then explore that world. But instead, it's like oh, we're in the new world and the short's over. <laughs> Yeah, I liked Short Circuit. I wonder if someday we'll get a, like, in season three or four or something, we'll get, like, sequels. You know, maybe yeah. Puddles 2. Here they are in the yeah. Puddle world. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool, too, if, like, one of them was like, yeah, we really like this concept, and people responded to it well, so we just turned it into, like, a feature. Yeah, and that's what I'm looking for. Like, I don't know if any of these will be a feature length, but I think I'll, at least a few of these directors mm-hmm. will be ones that come yeah. back into Providence at Disney. Especially oh, sure. some of these are really... Uh, draw-dropping for new animators. Not new animators, but new in terms of directing. Yeah. So um, I'd be excited to see some of these people come back into the forefront. Yeah, I definitely feel like the some, a lot of this is like auditions, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like a way for them to hold auditions while still like making content and making money. Being like, oh, like we're kind of holding auditions for people to direct upcoming features. And then we're just going to essentially have like an unofficial contest uh, where you all make short films... And then we'll just put the short films on Disney Plus because Disney Plus needs content. Is essentially <laughs> what I feel like this show is. That's pretty much what it is. But they, rather than just making it feel half-assed, they do bring in really good animators, yeah. people who worked on like Little Mermaid and some of the Disney classics, and really like put the effort in. And I didn't mm. expect this to be such a high-effort production, but it was. Yeah, yeah, I'm really into it. I'm definitely gonna watch the rest of this. A lot of these shows that I'm like, ah, I might watch more. I kind of haven't. Like Turning the Tables with Robin Roberts. Haven't really gone back to it. Behind the Attraction, haven't really gone back to it. I finished that one. Yeah. I think I only had, like, two episodes left, and I think it was, like, two rides I didn't really care about, so I haven't really gone back. But if you're a big fan of Disney and Disney rides, like, obviously you're going to be into Behind the Attraction. But when it's rides you've never really ridden before, it's hard to be like, you know what I really want to watch right now? A documentary about a ride I've never ridden. Yeah. Uh, um, but you have anything more to say about Short Circuit, or do you want to... No, great, great time. I don't got much else to say. It's all short, so not a ton to talk about, but it was good. All right, and the next two things I have on my list are kind of one and the same because the last one was more to help theorize uh, around. So basically, uh, I have Marvel Studios What If and then also Marvel Studios Legends. We just want to talk about that real quick. Uh, Did you watch the uh, promo that dropped, the uh, Steve promo for Marvel Studios What If? I, did, I didn't see it. No, I haven't been. I watched the trailers, but typically I, I avoid a lot of the other stuff because I'm I'm gonna already gonna watch it, so I I try to avoid watching stuff. Well, I'm gonna spoil a clip for you. Go so, ahead. Uh, it's Peggy Carter, who I think is Captain Carter at this point, and she's with, uh, Dum Dum Duggan, 
uh, who you might remember from Captain America the First Avenger. And then I think she's with Bucky. I don't know. The cool clip's 41 seconds. And I guess in this what if, it's you have Captain Carter is essentially Captain America. And Steve, like, rolls up in an Iron Monger-looking Iron Man suit. <laughs> so I think it's going to be Peggy Carter is essentially Captain America. And Steve becomes Iron Man. That's really cool. And, yeah, like, that's how he fights. Because he's still, like, a small little scrappy dude like he was at the beginning of Captain America. So... I like that a lot. I was curious how much they're going to bring in other characters, how much this is going to be like standalone stuff, and it sounds like they're, it's an actual like story arc. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to see that too. What if it's something that I have a lot of excitement for? Yeah, I think it premieres next this upcoming Wednesday. So we'll have... Uh, so yeah, Wednesday, I think... I'm curious, have they announced like how long these episodes are going to be? Like, I, know, I think they said they're dropping the first three uh this upcoming wednesday but do you think they're all gonna i imagine if i had to guess they're all gonna be in like the 20 to 25 minute range but is there like a chance that they're like oh yeah these are all like 10 minutes i don't know if they're all gonna be 10 minutes but that's a possibility because i was leaning your direction too i was thinking like 20 25 like maybe 30 for like a Mm -hmm. finale or something yeah but yeah i was thinking around the 20 marks but you could see it like you see like eight minute ones you know like Mm -hmm. I, i don't know what to expect from this show at all which is interesting for me like I know the premise of it, of course, but they told us very little. We don't even, like you said, we don't even know the lengths of the episodes. We don't. I don't even know if you know how many of the episodes are in the season. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited to just get see what this is actually going to be because it went from something where I was like, oh, that's going to be like some random animated show that might be worth talking about, but not anything uh, groundbreaking. But it seems like more and more it's going to be like canon MCU. Yeah, like... that's what they've said. Like these are all <laughs> canon like multiverses in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a chance, uh, the one example I was going to say definitely won't happen. I was going to say there's a chance we could see T'Challa Ravager version pop up in a, the MCU, but that's not happening, and now I'm a little sad. But we could we could potentially see, like, Captain Carter show up in, like, Captain America 4. Yeah, and I could even see, like, something where a universe pops up in What If, and then it comes back up again. Maybe not the character itself, but... For example, I don't think this is what's going to happen, but if we, if in a what if episode we got to like the Raimi verse for a couple of scenes and it was like, oh shit, Raimi verse is real. And then like in Spider-Man, it comes to fruition, you know? Yeah. What if, what if there's a moment where we just see a guy in a wheelchair turn around and like the final episode of what if, and it's Professor X and it's voiced by like Jeremy Irons or something. And they're like, oh yeah, this is the X-Men universe. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like. That would be such a moment because it would be like a mic drop in this random animated show. You're gonna like actually have major MCU reveals, and I wouldn't put it past them. After Loki, I'm like, dang, maybe they really will do big stuff with these shows, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm very curious because, and one of the things I just want to talk about because they said the first three, and then they did the Marvel Studios Legends. It's kind of either they'll do it like before a season or like after a show drops. And so the Marvel Studios Legends that they just dropped on the fourth, the first one is Peggy Carter. The second one was just the Avengers, and then the third one was the Ravagers. So I have to guess the three episodes we're going to get is a Captain Carter-focused one, an Avengers-focused one, and then my guess is one. the other one will be the T'Challa uh, is Star-Lord one. That's Which I'm curious how that's going to work. I'm curious how they're going. Like, is T'Challa, was he just abducted by the Ravagers for no reason? Or is in this universe, he, instead of being the son of T'Chaka, he's the son of Ego? Yeah, I can't wait to see how they're going to set up these premises. And 
it's obviously going to be a powerful experience yeah. to see Chadwick Boseman, Boseman's, of course you're only hearing it, but yeah. what became his final performance as an actor and yeah. also as Black Panther. But it's going to be essentially the last time we see that character, I would think, and the last yeah. time we get to hear Chadwick yeah. Boseman perform something. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a sad watch. Yeah, bittersweet. You know, it'll be very nice to see him again, and it'll yeah. be nice to get that character one last time. But of course, it'll have an added element of sadness because it's the last time he will, you know. And unfortunately, I think that will hang a bit over at least the premiere of this show. I think that's what people are all going to be talking about is that, and then any kind of like multiverse level reveal stuff will be something we talk about like later on. <laughs> because yeah. I think the highlight of the conversation is going to be everyone coming together to see Chadwick Boseman one last time. Yep. That's definitely going to be a fun watch. Like the whole series is, I think, going to be fun and interesting. A new take on the MCU, going to be the MCU branching out pun intended um lots of branching yeah anything else you want to say about what if uh, oh they they we do are get uh, we are getting a marvel zombies episode i saw that in the trailer that would be awesome that's that's what i'm really excited for is marvel finally able to like let go of the shackles of having to be like this realistic boots on the ground superhero stuff they're trying to be mm. for so long and mm. i think avengers endgame essentially is like the finale of the serious superhero essentially like yeah. now we're finally able now that we've like as a culture taken it seriously i think we're finally able to get to like this yeah. point where you can do suicide squad and to be like completely insane and you can do what if and just yeah. completely dive into the multiverse insanity and this people are going to be able to follow it people are already into this you don't need to like slowly walk us past each step anymore because we're already there we're yeah. already in yeah so i'm really excited i hope what if is a sign that Marvel is getting more and more creative with their stuff, and I hope that it actually is creative and isn't just on the face of it creative. Yeah, I get that. Anything else you gotta say about this week in Disney Plus? Or no, good week. I'm excited for next week. Of course, uh, we're gonna have the finale of Bad Batch to talk about, and and then I think you said you said uh, What If was also next Wednesday. Yeah, right? What or If is, is that... a... yeah, it's the twelfth. So yeah, that's next. So next we're gonna week. have a crowded week next week yeah. for one Probably... one Friday week. Probably not going to talk about Turner and Hooch as much, but I don't know <laughs> what else there will be to talk about but those three things. So probably be heavy with Bad Batch and What If, though. But Yeah, yeah the finale of uh, Mysterious Bandit Society also aired uh, this week, so I could always do a review of that series, uh-huh. too. All right. What, what do you give that show if you were to, like, grade it? Like, it's a solid, like, B- minus, uh-huh. <laughs> or, like, a C plus. Like, it's uh-huh. in that range of, like, solid... Not something that really, really blew me away, but I'm sure if I watched it and I was in the right age demographic, I would have loved this kind of thing. You know, it seems like that kind of thing for me. Where if I was a kid and I watched this, it would have been, it would have checked all the boxes of like what Tristan Kid liked. All right, all right. Uh, well, th- without further ado, uh, I think that wraps up our show. I'm about to go watch Suicide Squad because I've had a busy Friday and Saturday, so I haven't been able to uh, watch it yet. So I'm gonna crank up HBO Max and see what that movie's about. Um, Enjoy the rest of your Saturday and Sunday and rest of your weekend. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, have a nice, have a nice night.